This is Incredible Stories Podcast, Episode 47, Weird Lights. And hello again, everyone. It's time for another Incredible Stories podcast, where I hope to bring you stories you probably haven't heard. I'm Josh Virela, your burnishable host. And thanks for being here. Remember to share the show if you like it, even if you don't like it. Share it anyways, and maybe someone else will like it. And feel free to send me a show idea, haiku, or just a general comment at contact at IncredibleStoriesPodcast.com. I think most people have encountered something weird in their lives, and these experiences can range from a curious, what was that, to a fantastic, holy crap, did I just see what I think I saw? But a phenomenon that perhaps most people have noticed is seeing a strange light. Be it ghostly, something in the sky, or more terrestrial, an unexpected flash is certainly to draw our attention. One such light-based observance is that of Earth lights, unexplained and unexpected luminations that wrap themselves up in folklore and wonderment. Today, I'll be discussing mystery lights through the world, where they occur, when they can occur, and some possible explanations. And if you've had your own strange sighting, feel free to send me an email. But for the subject of Earth lights, here's what I know. Earth lights come in many forms and names around the world, and you'll find they have just as many theories to their causes. These rare anomalies, though unpredictable, have been known to frequent hotspots on the planet, making your chances of seeing them increase exponentially. But before I get into some of the mysterious Earth lights, let me first start with some perhaps more well-known light experiences the Will-o'-the-Wisps, and the phenomenon known as St. Elmo's Fire. Let's start with the Will-o'-the-Wisps. These are found in cultures all over the world, but perhaps the most well-known is from the United Kingdom. These lights are said to be produced by the fairy folk, and perhaps they can be indicators of good fortune or bad but usually bad, as most people warn not to follow Will-o'-the-Wisps, for often they lead you astray into swamps or bogs, and if you follow them, they'll go out before you can catch them, leaving you lost and potentially in danger. According to some Celtic folklore, these fairy lights are wielded by a goblin-like fairy that is quite mischievous, known as a puka. So, these small fairy lights are reported in other cultures too, like the South American Boitata, which is said to be the fiery eyes of a serpent that gets its fire eyes by eating the eyes of its victims. These lights are said to be very bright and float a few inches from the ground. Of course, modern explanations of these is that it is merely swamp gas produced by decaying matter that somehow ignites producing these lights. Now, they have recreated some lighting effects in labs with mixtures of methane, phosphine, and diphosphane, which apparently will spontaneously ignite when it contacts oxygen. But these results are somewhat different than what eyewitnesses report of the will-o'-the-wisps because the lab products produce smoke and the color is a bit off. I don't know, maybe? Chemistry is weird, but so are swamps at night, so who knows? 
Okay, now, so St. Elmo's fire is a phenomenon where a glowing ball of plasma is created by an electrical discharge. Early seagoers often observe these during thunderstorms on the top of their ship's mast. Sailors like Magellan, Columbus, and even Pliny the Elder described this blue flame that wasn't fire. But you don't have to be on top of a ship to see this. Any place where there is a significant imbalance in electrical charges, static or otherwise, might produce ionized air which will emit a glow. The main thing is that there needs to be a dramatic difference in charge between the air and a charged object, like a ship's mast, airplane wing, or street lamp. Next time there's a lightning storm, go ahead and look out the window and see if you can see any St. Elmo's fire above your street lamps. Now, on to the more mysterious of lights. And I'm going to focus on a few places more known for these strange lights. And those places are the Hesdalen Lights in Norway, the Min Min Lights in Australia, the Marfa and Brown Mountain Lights in Texas and North Carolina, and the Bangafai Faya Naga Lights in Thailand. First stop, Australia. Say good day to the Min Min Lights, an eerie, intensely glowing ball said to float around the outback near the Queensland towns of Boilia and Winton in the outback. Crikey! The Min Min area itself is kind of like a livestock farming area from what I can tell. Pretty remote, over a thousand miles from Brisbane, which is a pretty big city in Australia. These lights were first reported by Europeans in 1838, although Aborigines say these lights have been seen since way before that. These lights seem to have some sort of intelligence to them as they seem to almost playfully follow people sometimes growing in size, changing colors, multiplying, and even approaching people. Let's hear the first-hand account of the lights from an Australian Sheila named Genevieve Hammond. Reenacted. Good day, Desert Sand Motel. This is Genevieve. Good day, Ozzy. I'd fancy a room out, just curious to what's the John Dory on the Min Min lights. Let me tell you, and this story is surely no frothy as it happened to me. We were on a remote cattle station, and we were camping out, and we saw this greenish oval-shaped blurry light bobbing up and down. It was parallel to the horizon, about a kilometer away, and it seemed to be a meter from the ground. It moved very slowly to the left, and then came back on itself and it went on like this for about 15 minutes. It was silent and very eerie. We were trying to think, uh, could it be a neighbor? A car? But the nearest homestead in that direction was 120 kilometers away. The next day, Jono went over to where the light was and there was nothing. Crikey, that's an ace of a story, Genevieve. I'll take a room out for two nights. It's funny how similar Australian sounds like Americans doing English slash southern accents. Anyway, so Genevieve seemed to have a genuine sighting. But then again, she is the owner of a hotel in the area, and I'm sure they do better when they get tourists coming in to see the lights. But on the other hand, if the lights are there, I would imagine an owner of a local business to have experienced them at some point or another. But what are these lights? Some have suggested they are vehicle lights in the distance. 
But this explanation doesn't fit considering there have been sightings since before cars. Plus, it's pretty remote. Here are some other theories. Piezoelectricity, which is an electric charge that accumulates in materials like crystals, ceramics, and even bone. Quartz is a good example of this. For piezoelectricity, you need to put a mechanical stress upon the material. So if you squeeze quartz, it will give off some electricity. Another theory is of bioluminescent animals, like fireflies or glowworms. I think my favorite theory, though, is from one of the more interesting town folk of Minmin. This guy said he thinks the Minmin lights must be an emu with a torch stuck up its backside. Pretty humorous. Let's move on. To America. First stop, Marfa, Texas. Home of the Marfa lights, aka Marfa Ghost Lights. These lights have been seen near Route 67 on the Mitchell Flat, just east of Marfa, Texas, which is in West Texas. But the best place to view the lights is off Highway 90, 9 miles east of Marfa. They are described as distant bright lights that are different from ranch lights or headlights. The lights appear, usually remain still, and sometimes appear to pulsate with varying brightness but sometimes they have been seen zipping across the desert, splitting and combining. They are usually yellow to orangish, but other colors have been reported. Typically, these lights are just above the desert vegetation and seem to be about basketball size. The first published account of these lights was in 1957, but the first mention comes from 1883, when a fellow named Robert Reed Ellison said he had seen flickering lights as he moved a herd of cattle near the Mitchell Flat. He reckoned the lights were from Apache campfires at first. Now, locals told Ellison that they saw the lights from time to time, and when they went to check out where they had seen the lights, they saw no visible evidence of fires. So that's pretty weird. Now, apparently, pilots during the time of World War II who were stationed near that area tried to find the source of the lights, but to no avail. So what are these lights? Guesses ranging from UFOs, ghosts of conquistadors, to vehicle lights in the distance have all been offered up as explanations. Remember the will-o'-the-wisps? Those swamp gases have also been offered up as theories. Texas is known to be a big oil state though, and while not marshy, in this region there are large reserves of oil and natural gas in the area. Perhaps these could be a cause? More speculation is that geological activity like piezoelectricity could be at play here too. But nothing has been proven and the lights remain a mystery. How about some other famous American spook lights? The Brown Mountain Lights are ghostly lights seen near Brown Mountain, North Carolina. There's a Cherokee legend that says the lights are of the spirits of Cherokee warriors who died during a battle against the Catawba in 1200. But the first real tangible reference to these lights came in 1913, when the Charlotte Observer printed a U.S. geological survey that concluded the lights were from locomotives. But the U.S. Weather Bureau reported in 1919 that the lights were an electrical discharge phenomenon similar to the Andes lights. And that's the mountain chain, the Andes, apparently they have light phenomenon too, but I'm not going to get into that in this episode. It is important to note, though, that whoever wrote that report for the U.S. Weather Bureau never actually visited Brown Mountain. 
1922, a geologist named George Rogers Mansfield spent two weeks in the area and said the lights weren't some weird Native American ghost. No. He said it was a combination of car headlights, locomotives, brush fires, and the like. But others are not so sold on these explanations. The usual swamp gas and mirages were posed as theories as well. Now, in 1977, some scientists from Oak Ridge National Laboratory shot an arc light near Brown Mountain. On the other side of the valley, they had one of their other scientists there to see what would happen. And what was observed was that the normally blue-white light appeared to be an orange-red orb-like manifestation just above the top of Brown Mountain. So these guys said, ah, most likely, most of Brown Mountain lights are nothing more than light refractions from the distance. Although some people do note that this scientific explanation doesn't explain all the lights. Some very credible Forest Service officers have reported that while on patrol, they have encountered beach ball sized floating orbs that go by then vanish. Now of course I haven't seen the actual names attached to these accounts, so I can't verify that, I just saw that during my research. Now some scientists have pointed to ball lightning as a possible answer for this, but ball lightning is almost just as mysterious and probably needs its own episode as well. But here we have scientists saying they know what causes these lights, nothing weird, and locals and paranormal enthusiasts saying not so fast. Well, let's not get into the middle of this cat fight. Let's get to some even more intriguing lights, shall we? Off to sunny Norway where the beaches are full of reindeer. Here we have something called the Hesdalen lights, found in, you guessed it, Hesdalen Valley, Norway. These lights will appear in the daytime or nighttime and like other lights appear to float around the valley. They are usually white, yellow, or red and can be seen moving above and below the horizon. These lights have been known as some of the longer lasting of the phenomena, ranging from a few seconds of visibility to over an hour. Lights in this region were reported from time to time beginning at least in the 1930s, but sightings didn't really start popping until the 1980s. Now, this village of Hesdalen has a population of only a few hundred, but since 1983 there has been scientific research on the lights in the region. A UFO researcher by the name of Dr. Erling Strand created Project Hasdalen as a sort of field aggregation entity for researchers to collect and share their data in 1983. And since then, there have been other scientific organizations that have come and gone looking into the odd lights. Conclusions range from <sighs> swamp gas, cosmic rays, mirages, our friend piezoelectricity, but a new theory that I find fascinating is that the valley acts as a giant battery. How? Well, how does a battery work? Batteries have three parts. An anode, which is the negatively charged part, a cathode, the positively charged part, and an electrolyte, a substance that produces an electrically conducting solution, like lemon juice. Okay, so this valley has two sides. One side of the valley has rocks that are rich in copper. This would be the cathode. The other side of the valley has rocks rich in iron and zinc. This would be the anode. And the electrolyte solution? Well, the valley has a river running through it, and in the valley, there is a sulfur mine. The hypothesis is that the sulfur from the mine leaches into the water, forming a weak acid. So there you go, there's your battery. 
So scientists took some rocks from each side of the valley and some river sediment and found it did indeed make a battery suitable enough to light a lamp. So the electricity produced by this valley on a large scale theoretically could be the cause of the lights via the vast electrical field it would generate. But of course there are a number of other theories competing for the explanation of these lights. A new player in our theories of weird earth lights is radioactive decay of radon in the atmosphere creating a dusty plasma that contains ionized dust particles, but honestly I'm not sure how this would work. But wouldn't it be cool if we could harness mountain valleys like this as a huge battery to power things? And now it's time for our last stop, Thailand. Thailand. Specifically along the Mekong River where the Naga Fireballs live. Also known as the Bung Phai Paya Nak or simply the Mekong Lights. Now these things are cool. These glowing balls come out of the water and float into the sky. Usually reddish and range in size from a tiny spark up to the size of a basketball. They move pretty quickly going up a few hundred meters before vanishing. Eyewitnesses claim to see anywhere from a few fireballs on up to thousands in a given night. These lights are often attributed to the Phaya Naga, which is a mythical serpent that locals say lives in the Mekong River. These lights are mostly seen around the end of a type of Buddhist lint, which is a night known as Wan Uk Fanza, the last day of Vasa. This occurs in October. Now, some people have explained this phenomenon to be nothing more than Laotian soldiers shooting tracer rounds in the air from the other side of the river, or perhaps flares. And, in fact, a TV crew snuck over there in 2002 to investigate, and said this is what they found. Josh, wouldn't the crowds hear the gunshots? I guess, but consider that the portion of the river that most people see these fireballs at is about a half mile wide, and by the time the sound reaches people's ears on the far side, their oohs and ahs and festival music would drown it out. I'm going to post a link to a lot of these lights in the show notes, but I want you to check out this video of a shotgun tracer round, which might look a lot like the Naga fireballs. Hmm... Of course, there are a lot of people who claim these lights to be real, and are pretty adamant about it. And considering it is tied to a religious festival, you can understand this. But for the diehard believers who don't think a river dragon is shooting balls of fire, say it's the usual swamp gas type of thing, etc. It's hard to say, but the 2002 documentary is pretty damning. But that isn't to say that perhaps since ancient times this river didn't produce some weird phenomenon. And over time, it just got augmented heavily by man. I mean, the Mekong River is weird. It has giant catfish and stingrays in it, so perhaps a fire-breathing river serpent? But those are some of the mystery lights around the world. And now you know what I know. So Josh, what do you think? What's the deal with these lights? Well, as I haven't seen any of these lights firsthand, it's hard to say for sure, obviously. But I do think there are some less paranormal explanations for these lights, at least some of the time. First, the swamp gas thing I find not to be that plausible despite the fact that yes, gases found in swamps can spontaneously combust under the right conditions, but these conditions are usually lab created and it would seem pretty rare for them to all form regularly in a given area. I think for some of the lights, like the Brown Mountain and Marfa lights, and maybe even the Min Min lights, that a mirage phenomenon known as Fata Morgana could explain a large portion of sightings, although not all of them. 
But Fatamorgana mirages are known as superior mirages, and they are usually seen along the horizon, and what they are are temperature inversions that distort and refract objects. Light passes through air layers that are different temperatures, and the Fatamorgana is when a warmer layer of air sits on top of a significantly cooler layer of air. So usually surface layers are warmer as they are absorbing all the sun's heat, but during a Fatamorgana, that warmer layer is on top of cooler air. This might make a ship appear to be floating or hills might appear in a place where they don't normally. So I think this can explain things, say like a passing car in the distance somewhere and its headlights get inverted and you see them as just lights. I also think the theory of tectonic movement creating a geological reaction such as piezoelectricity is a good idea, but I don't imagine this would be the case in areas that are fairly geologically stable. Of all of these lights though, I thought the Naga fireballs were the most interesting, until I researched it more and I must say I have the most disappointment in them because I wanted it to be more authentic. But I lean heavily toward the flare shooting theory on that one. I do think the Hesdalen theory of being a giant battery is very cool, and even if there are no mysterious causes for these lights, a giant geological battery can be just as interesting of a possibility. Now I do think some of these lights are paranormal, although a lot of them aren't. But no matter the cause of these lights, I think we can all agree that brilliant flashes of light that appear in places they shouldn't is still pretty cool. I mean, come on, people sit for hours watching fireworks, and those aren't mysterious. Deep down, we're really all just pyros, or at least instinctually, we're all just moths. But now for something that will attract you to its flame, the haiku! Blinging in the night. Are those swamp gas or headlights? Who cares, they look cool. And that's all the time this week, guys. Make sure to check out our other episodes on IncredibleStoriesPodcast.com. Send me an email or haiku at contact at IncredibleStoriesPodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at IncredPod. Rate us on iTunes and peep us out on YouTube and Stitcher. For Incredible Stories Podcast, I'm Josh. And remember, the journey of a thousand tales begins with the first word.